Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Adam Ashton about podcasting and reading books. Now, in the years since Adam has started his own small business, he's self-published a book and hosts the What You Will Learn podcast. Now, this is a top 10 business podcast with over half a million downloads and interviews with the likes of Seth Godin, Robert Green, Gretchen Rubin, and Dan Pink. Now, Adam, I know that you're not an old person, and yet you're talking to these fellows who have been around for what seems forever... Tell us how on earth you got into this, please. Yeah, well, as uh, myself, Adam Ashton, and my, my co-host, Adam Jones, we were both two young blokes in our sort of early 20s. We were going through uni and finding our way then through graduate positions and through, I guess, the real world of the workplace. And we were sort of inspired by, uh, I don't know if I'd call them the, the old guys and the old girls, but people more experienced than us in terms of they had a hell of a lot of experience in, in life and in business and in Korea and they brought all of this wisdom and knowledge and packaged it into a couple of hundred pages for us to learn from. And so we sort of thought, you know, for 20, $25 and eight to 10 hours of, of reading time, you can get somebody's life wisdom and, and advice. And, you know, we got, I guess, addicted to learning and addicted to reading and with every book you read, you pick up something along the way. So if we thought we can learn from some of these experienced masters who have navigated their way through the world and achieve a level of success that we would hope to emulate, then it would be remiss of us to, to not read these books almost. So we got very much addicted to reading and learning. Now, as I remember the early 20s, there weren't a lot of people in my peer group who were reading books that were written by people about how to make a go of life, how to make a go of business. What's happened to this new generation, Adam? Well, I think we've got the, the access. First, for me, I think it was introduced through listening to podcasts. I was lucky enough that a good mate of mine, uh, Nick Ampt, recommended that I should start listening to podcasts. And this is when I was in, in university. And, and again, very quickly, it was like, oh, my goodness, for like within 30 or 60 minutes, you can hear from some of the, the best minds or the biggest, uh, most successful business people and got addicted that way. And then I realized they were all recommending books, you know, part of, you know, most of these successful people said, oh, I read this book or you should definitely check out that book. And I thought, well, maybe that's a, the next step. So I think for me, it was, it was partly a hunger to achieve something. And then partly the advice of some of these, these people that they're all reading books. So yeah, I should definitely get on board. Yes. And of course in university, one is supposed to read books, but they're not necessarily business books while you're in university, generally. I, uh, I don't know if I ever read a, a book in university <laughs> that I was supposed to read. <laughs> there was, uh, I did whatever I could to, to find the shortcuts without having to read those books. And, uh, <laughs> and thankfully, I found a few books that I did enjoy. Oh, very good. And obviously, it didn't do you too much damage because uh, it still allowed you to, to read books. And what have you found about those shortcuts? Are they actually good ones? Or nowadays, do you take the long road to figure it out? 
Mm. Yeah, that's a very interesting one. I, uh, I think in terms of reading and learning, there are things that you can take from, from books and from great authors and from great thinkers and great business minds. But there is only so much you can learn from reading. And then there is obviously that big chunk, which I guess is the long way of, of getting in there and doing it yourself. In that you can have the best ideas, but without actually trying it out and seeing what it feels like in the real world and what actually works and what doesn't work for you personally, then you really got to get out there and test it out. Indeed. And I think given your history, we can say that it, at least you're successful to date. Now, for all of those people out there who are struggling, what can you suggest to them about, okay, you're working hard and maybe it doesn't seem to be you know, falling into place right now. What can they find in a book or, or from someone like yourself, for example, who's done it? Yeah, for me, I, I, I find that, uh, especially for us, we're, we're still young now, I guess, in our mid, mid-20s. mid we, We're sort of taking the approach of, you know, reading these great books and, and passing on their message uh, through our lens as opposed to directly from us. But I do think that there is some, some great wisdom out there and it sort of falls into a few different categories when you're reading a book. There are some books that will have immediately actionable, tangible benefits, things that you can go out there and do right away. So one that comes to mind is a book called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And in that book, he talks about the fact that in business, we often, we've got a big ego. We often think it's all about us and we sort of position ourselves as the expert and as the hero and as, you know, follow us and, and come along for, for our journey. But the customer thinks that they're the hero and it's all about the customer and their experience and their journey. So if you're the hero and they're the hero, you're sort of these two competing heroes, then it doesn't really uh, work so much. So you, you need to instead allow the customer to feel as though they're the hero and that you're the guide, you're there to help them along their journey. And so one of the things he talks about is how you set up your website and how you set up, say you're about us page. So rather than saying, you know, we're a company that's been around for 80 years, founded by my great, great grandfather in the ancient times. And we've been, you know, doing all these, this amazing work and that's positioning yourself as the hero. So you need to sort of rejig how your website looks and feels to, position yourself as the guide as how you can help the customer on their hero's journey. So that's uh, one, one type of book is, you know, there's specifically actionable things that you can do straight away. The other bucket is sort of different approaches or different ways of thinking. So there's perhaps not something specific that you can do right away, but a new way to look at the world and a new way to think about things. So one of my uh, personal favorites is the dip by Seth Godin. And so in the dip, he talks about in any new project you start, especially a, a new business, it follows a very similar trajectory in that at the very start, you get a lot of quick wins and it's, everything seems to be going well and it's on the up and up and everything's going great. And then inevitably there is a long slog where it feels like you're putting in so much extra effort, but not getting the rewards that come with it. So perhaps at the very start, you start a new business, you pick a business name, that's a great win. You design a logo, that feels awesome. You maybe make your website, that's great. You tell a few friends, they give you a pat on the back saying, good job. Maybe you get your very first sale. These are all the, the wins that come at the very start. But then uh, perhaps very quickly after that, there is this long slog, which is called the dip, where it doesn't, it feels like, you know, it's 
same old, same old, or maybe you're working so hard, you're being head up against a brick wall, but nothing is really working or nothing is really taking off. But the important part to realize here is that everybody is feeling the same thing. So everybody who's doing a similar thing to you is in the middle of the dip. And it's only those that push through the dip that get to the other side of the dip that experience those exponential rewards. Because in a dip, it sucks. It's tough. And that's where most people feel like quitting. And that's where most people do quit. So if you can keep going and keep improving and keep pushing through the dip to the other side, you experience the benefits of scarcity because everybody else has dropped off and you then become one of the best. So there's that idea of the dip that there's nothing specifically tangible that you can go out and action straight away and change today. But it's a way of thinking and a way of approaching it is then you you need to think about, well, what am I doing right now? Am I in the middle of the dip? And am I willing to push through to the other side of the dip? Or perhaps you're in the wrong dip altogether and you might want to start something new. But realize that every time you start something new, you're at the start of the dip and you've got to realize that there is going to be a dip ahead of you. That's an excellent way of expressing it. And I particularly like your idea of uh, looking at the customer as the hero. Mm. Very often, many of us get into business, it appears, because of our ego that's driving us. We could do it better. And we forget to leave that ego behind when we're talking to a customer that it's all about us. Mm. So when you've approached these people, here's an area that I see a lot of conversation about that people in business are excited at being in business, but they're not game to go and approach particular people. Now, you've approached Seth Godin, Robert Green, Gretchen Rubin, Dan Pink, and others, and all well-known people, all obviously from the outside, very busy people who are probably too busy to talk to a young bloke. (laughs) What was it that drove you to talk to those people? What got you over the issue of golly gee, I'm not worthy, etc.? It's a very interesting point. And I'm pretty confident that if you were uh, to email Seth Godin or or Dan Pink or Gretchen Rubin or any of these people, like say the, Uh, Janine Ellis and Naomi Simpson from Shark Tank Australia. I'm pretty confident that if you emailed these people and said, hey, I'm a a young 20-year-old bloke uh, with a a few questions, can I chat to you on the phone for half an hour? There's a fair chance they would probably either say no or maybe never respond. I think we had that extra element of, hey, we're young 20-year-old blokes who are pretty enthusiastic and we've got a lot of questions. Can we speak to you for half an hour on the phone? And we've got a podcast that we're going to share this conversation with hundreds or thousands of other people. So I think that was one thing that definitely helped us in terms of getting those people, because as you say, they're super busy and super successful and they don't have a lot of time. So being able to have some kind of benefit to them was definitely a big help. And I think on top of that, what allowed us to get some of these people, because it did take us about seven months before we had our first ever interview. And probably a lot of it was due to the fact that some of our initial emails are a bit, um, uh, definitely a lot of our egos involved in there. Definitely a lot of we're the hero. Hey, we're awesome. Come and talk to us. Um, but when we made that shift to realize that, Hey, it's, it's definitely not about us. It's about helping them share their messages. That's sort of when we started to get a, a little bit more traction. So again, sort of switching from us being the hero to them being the hero 
was definitely an important step along our journey to getting more and more guests. So it's about positioning not just you, it's positioning your service or offering so that it's actually appealing to the potential customer. Yeah, most certainly. And I think in terms of the conversation, it's something that we were not great at at the start and we've gradually got better and better and better each time in that conversations are so important and it is so easy today to to send an email instead, but conversations are vital. But because we're almost getting out of practice with it, with the, you know, we're so engaged in the digital world that the human to human connection is sort of dropping off. But the thing that most people do in conversation is they're listening not to listen, but they're listening to think, what can I say next? So that element of the, the conversation where we're really not listening to what they say, we just pick up one small thing and then we're immediately thinking about us and what we can say next and how we can look good by saying something amazing next. Instead, you really need to practice that element of, of truly listening and listening to understand what it is they have to say as opposed to always just thinking about what you're going to say next. Yes, at the end of the day, we want the customer to buy and they're actually not going to buy what we like, are they? They're going to buy what they like. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And (laughs) if you can, rather than just instantly thinking, what am I going to say next, if you can begin to understand them more and more and more and truly listen before actually responding, then you're much more likely to work out what it is they want because they'll probably tell you if you listen. Indeed, through lots of years of selling, I've found that one doesn't learn much while one's speaking. That's it. That's it. But if one listens, one is told what one needs to speak. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Works well. Conversations. Love it. It's one of the big things that I do in my teaching is uh, how to have a conversation and how to have the appropriate conversation at the appropriate time. So glad to hear you saying that. I have to get you talking to me more or at, at one of my uh, events so that people can hear it from a young person as well as an older person. <laughs> exactly. And it is, it is vitally important. I think probably for young people as well, we probably feel like we have something to prove and we probably do want to quickly sound smart and appear to be smart and be the person with the answers and be the person who's the loudest person in the room because we're so smart. But it's something we need to be very careful of because often the, the loudest person isn't the smartest person, I don't think. Yeah, and often they, they, there's an old saying about you've got to watch the quiet ones and often it's the quiet ones that move ahead of the race. Yeah, definitely. There's probably a good chance that if you're not talking, then you're probably thinking, which is probably more important. Indeed, as long as we're thinking the right things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're not thinking about what we're going to say next. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've been running this podcast for, I believe, nearly three years. And in fact, I understand there's a party happening soon. Yeah, we've got our, uh, in a, from the day of recording, we're about three days away. We're about to hit our, our third anniversary of the podcast. And uh, we always try to make the, the one-year celebrations a little bit special uh, and probably do some things that uh, we wouldn't normally do in our day-to-day lives. But what the, the podcast started as at the very start was literally just the two of us wanting to learn, wanting to read more. And we actually decided, hey, let's do this podcast as like a 10-episode test in that, look, we don't know what on earth this podcasting thing is. We both love listening to podcasts. We've got no idea how to make it or what, what you need to do to create a podcast. But we thought, okay, let's at the worst case, we'll do 10 episodes. And if it doesn't work, then at least we've got, okay, we've read 10 great books. We've retained a hell of a lot more than we 
normally would because we've had to probably reread it, talk about it, think about how we're going to teach it as opposed to just passively reading it. We probably get a little bit extra confidence because we're, it's a pretty scary thing to hit that record button and talk as if someone might hear it. We probably improve our communication, both in the way we speak and the way we listen. And we had all these benefits that, you know, okay, maybe number six or number seven or number eight was maybe somebody might listen. So we thought at the worst case, we're going to get all of these benefits. And if it stops after 10 episodes, we stop, but we were getting so much enjoyment out of doing it and so many benefits out of doing it that we thought, Hey, let's just, let's just keep going. And, and we haven't stopped yet. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Isn't it funny how when you have a go at something, sometimes it, it just works. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's a, there's a lot of things we've had to go at that didn't work, but thankfully this is one that, that, uh, that we're still having a crack at. But along the way, you've actually learned how to identify those ones that aren't working. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You've done fairly quickly, I gather. Yeah, yeah, the, the quicker the better. Uh, as I said, like say that if I bring back the dip, any new project, there is going to be a dip. So you need to work out sooner rather than later if it's a dip worth going for. So, you know, sometimes the, the end result of if you get to the other side, Maybe it's not as good as you thought, or perhaps the dip is so long and so tough to get through that it's not worth getting through. And it, so it's the worst possible time to, to quit a project is in the middle of the dip. So if you've sunk two years and, and tens of thousands of dollars into trying to get this project up and running, that's probably the worst time to quit. The best time to quit is at the very start of the dip before you waste too much time and effort and energy and money. So that's the, what I'm trying to do now as soon as possible is to test out, hey, I've got this idea. Is this an idea worth pursuing? And then is this an idea where I am going to commit to seeing all the way through the dip? And if it's not, it's better to quit now than to quit after a lot of waste. Recognize early, decide, move. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Indeed. Yeah, I'm running a podcast you're running a podcast. Why should someone else start a podcast? I think first of all, there are a lot of those benefits that I spoke about that we were seeing from the book. So things like firstly, okay, you're learning a, a brand new skill. It's probably slightly easier than you think to the technical side of, you know, setting up a microphone and recording and, and publishing it. But then there is the the harder part of it is not so much, hitting record on the on the system but the scariness of seeing a little red dot flashing and knowing that your voice is being recorded and the first time and probably the first 10 times and for some maybe the first 100 times that is a very very scary thing to do so that's definitely one benefit is getting a little bit of confidence around you know having your thoughts recorded another benefit is the communication side of things so it's something that I'm still not a, a master of, but compared to three years ago when I started, my, my communication is a, is a hell of a lot better in terms of what I say and how I say it. Uh, another big benefit is it's a bit of a networking hack. So obviously, you know, we've been able to interview some of our absolute idols that I'm very, very confident we would not have been able to do without having the podcast. And then also just as a way of... For example, my, my co-host, Adam Jones, he's, a, he's an engineer by day as well as a podcaster by night. So he actually started his own engineering podcast where he was able to then 
network with some of the top engineers in Australia and some of the top engineers in the world. And so because podcasting is something that, you know, everybody likes to uh, speak their mind and everybody likes to share their thoughts, you probably got a pretty good strike rate of networking with someone rather than saying, Hey, can we catch up for a coffee? If you say, Hey, can we catch up and record our conversation for a podcast? you're probably going to be able to meet some phenomenal people. So there is that massive networking hack element to it as well. So they're just, just some of the uh, many benefits that you could experience from starting your own podcast. Indeed. And uh, there's a lot of people out there with lots of information about all sorts of areas of expertise that regardless of what uh, somebody is doing in their day job, they can, as you say, have a conversation with somebody who knows a little bit more about it or a little bit different about it. Yeah, exactly. I think being, being open to learning, being curious about the world and always looking to develop and improve yourself is something where we're super strong on. So obviously that for us comes through reading books and doing podcasts. And I think for anybody, it's being able to have those conversations with people either, you know, slightly ahead of them or way ahead of them or even on the same level to just get some new perspectives and some new ideas. And I just feel for, for me personally, having the podcast as the, the vehicle for having some of those conversations has been phenomenal. Uh, absolutely right. And now you mentioned books there. And of course, books uh, sometimes are thought of as having been from a, a bygone era. And I have a few books and some of those books I've had for a very long time and they get referred to frequently. What is it that you think is important for people to be reading business books? Yeah, I like seeing, uh, we've got the video on here that I can see a few books on your shelf behind you. I'm uh, disappointed I'm not in front of my bookshelf today. I've just got the white wall behind me. But uh, I think that, that books are such a phenomenal uh, vessel of, of ideas and knowledge and, and information. And as I said, you know, for for 25 bucks and, and eight hours of reading time, you can get a hell of a lot out of it. And as you mentioned, if you've got books from, from decades ago that you're still using some of those ideas, it was well and truly worth that initial time investment to read the book. So in terms of business books specifically, I think there is so much that you can learn, whether it's something you can take and apply straight away or whether it's something that sits in the back of your mind and it might not be immediately obvious how you can use it just a new idea that perhaps one day could come to come to fruition where it was well and truly worth that. But I think in, in terms of, of business books as well, that you, there's always something you're going to get out of it. Even the, my least favorite books, I still got something out of it. So I think being open to learning, being open to trying new ideas, being open to trying new approaches and being open to just being curious is vitally important in life and, and especially in business. Yes, indeed. I remember being given a book uh, a very long time ago called Think and Grow Rich. Hmm. And, is that uh, up behind you there? I think I can see it behind I, you there. I do have it there, yes. And uh, I actually have a few copies because every now and again somebody uh, wanders into my life and I give them the, a copy. <laughs> and the fellow who gave it to me told me that it would answer all of my questions and indeed it, it held the secret to... Uh, wealth and wonder and health and happiness, etc. And indeed, in the foreword, it told me that, and that it, it had a secret in it. And that secret 
It was mentioned in uh, no fewer than X times and it was in every chapter. So I read this book. I, I don't think I slept until I read the dash thing. <laughs> but I didn't see that secret and uh, I was disappointed. But I do recall that I learned an awful lot from what I'd read and so I read it again a little while later and again and again and every time I read it I learned something new and I was able to apply these things in, in business and life in general and it made things work better. And it was on the 10th read when I picked up that book, that secret was all over it, every page. <laughs> so I, I like your idea of, yes, books can hang around and every time you look at them, you can find something to grow on what you learned before. And whilst I mentioned Think and Grow Rich, there are many other books where the same thing has happened. <laughs> that one just happens to be one that I, I utilise a lot. So... Tell us some of your favourite books. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic uh, approach. I'm, now I'm trying to think back what the secret is. I think I've read it twice. So I'm gonna, I think I need to read it a few more times uh, uh, in order to pick that one up. But it, it really is that you know books. You know, sometimes you might you might learn from somebody else's mistake. So you can you can either save yourself a lot of time and money by not making that same mistake, or perhaps it's uh, some kind of new idea that can multiply your your thinking and, and what you're doing. So some of my favorites, as I mentioned, definitely the dip by Seth Godin. It's like, it's only like 80 pages or so. So it's a, a short power packet. It's a, only a couple of hours to read. And just that shift from thinking about projects in terms of, look, there is going to be a dip. It's not going to be an instant overnight success. Is this a project you're willing to commit to, or is it something that you should quit sooner rather than later? So the dip by Seth Godin is definitely way up there. Uh, another book I love that uh, is Influence by Robert Cialdini. And so he's a, a marketing and, and psychology guru and he picked out what he calls the six weapons of influence. So these are the, the six things that you should be including in your, in your message to make your message more persuasive. So either in what you're saying in the conversations you're having from a you know, person to person but also in your, your marketing messages as well. So like one of the things that makes us act quickly is something called scarcity. So if it feels like, you know, there's only a limited opportunity in terms of a limited number of things, or there's some kind of time constraint around it, that scarcity makes us take action quicker. Or another one is authority. So, you know, if nine out of 10 dentists recommend this toothbrush, uh, obviously, a dentist is an authority in the in the tooth space, so that's something else that you can add into your message. Don't put me on the test for the the other four because I'm not sure if I could I could do them all. But that's a uh, that's a that's a great book as well. Another. But that's why they're written in a book. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that we don't have to remember them all. <laughs> I reckon I, I reckon I could probably do uh, I could probably do the six. Let's see. <laughs> authority, scarcity, commitment, and consistency, reciprocity. Uh, see, I'm running. I'm running out of steam now. <laughs> You've done pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that was a, a pretty handy uh, promotion for the book. So let's yeah. let's all go out and get the book if we haven't already read it. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And uh, and let me hit you with 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 two more. One is I read this year, uh, which is definitely my my favourite book of of 2019 so far. Is Originals by Adam Grant, and the idea there is that there are, there are two paths 
that you can take. You can either take the conformist path to success or you can take the original path to success. Now, both of those paths can eventually lead to success in that if you do what everybody else has done, if you work a little bit harder and take a little bit longer and put in a little bit more effort, you can get to success in the traditional sense. Uh, or the other way is original. So doing something slightly different, which is probably a little bit more risky, but you can achieve success that way as well. And some of the, the big takeaways from that book is to just try a whole bunch of new things in the issue that you're never going to know what is going to work specifically. You're never going to think this idea is perfect. This is the one, this is the one that I'm going to commit all of my energies and efforts towards instead realize that you probably don't know. And so you need to go out and try a whole bunch of different things. So he says, uh, triple your output. So triple the amount of ideas that you try and you're probably more likely to, to stumble upon that eventual success. And then my number one favorite of all time is uh, the laws of human nature by Robert Greene, who uh, in the early 2000s, he wrote the 48 Laws of Power and the, uh, the book called Mastery and the Art of Seduction. And these are all massive books. And this, his newest book from last year, The Laws of Human Nature, is about 600 pages. There's 18 different chapters about all the different elements of, of human nature, like the ego and envy and influence and all of these uh, things that... The book is a, is a real, I guess, whack over the head in that it sort of breaks you down that you start to realize some of the negative qualities about yourself, but then you can also really start to recognize these in other people as well. Which gives you the opportunity to highlight the positives, of course. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's sort of how the, the, the book operates. Firstly, just recognize it within yourself. Secondly, start to improve some of those negative things within yourself. And then thirdly, recognizing what's motivating and what's driving other people beyond surface level things. Indeed. And uh, it's been my experience that I've defined that the deeper things are what are really important. Mm. Yeah, most certainly often what people say or what they show on the, on the surface is perhaps not what's truly driving their, their behavior. Indeed. Some excellent tips in there, Adam, but uh, as we're coming towards the end of our conversation, What's the best tip you have received from a business conversation? This is definitely uh, one that's stuck with me. It's when I was, I put together, I self-published a little book interviewing and, and highlighting some of Melbourne's great entrepreneurs and, and business people where I sort of got their profiles and what they'd done and how they did it and then how other people could do it too through what lessons they taught. And one that definitely uh, will stick with me for a, for a long time is uh, Lindsay Fox. If people aren't familiar, he uh, founded Linfox, which is a big transport and logistics company, one of Australia's, I don't know, sixth or seventh richest people with three or four billion dollar net worth, massive uh, international company. And I was talking to him, it obviously achieved a lot of success. And I was again a young 20 year old dude. And I was wanting to know, look, how do you how do you learn new things and how do you get a business to work? And I sort of thought, you know, is it is it through he said, you know. And this is what really sort of threw me for a bit of a spin. Uh, I was a young 20-year-old dude. I was very nervous speaking to this 80-year-old titan of industry, um, multi-billionaire. And he said, Adam, are you a virgin? And <laughs> I, was, uh, I was thrown aback a little bit, but I, I guess somewhat proudly admitted that I was not. Uh, <laughs> and he said, well, the first time you got yourself 
uh, sexually involved, did you read the Kama Sutra or did you just dive in there? And uh, I said, what's I've, what's I've read a lot of books. I uh, had not read the Kama Sutra. And uh, he said, well, that's sort of the, the lesson is that, you know, learning through uh, reading is one way to go about it. But really when you actually just dive in there, you feel your way around, you find out what feels good and what doesn't feel good, make a few adjustments along the way. That's, that's certainly the way to, to, to go about developing new skills and trying something completely different. So that's certainly a, a message that's uh, stuck with me for a long time that yes, reading is, is perhaps one part of it, but just getting in there and doing it for yourself is a, uh, is a whole nother level. Yes. Doing is extremely important. If it's uh, a common theme that a lot of people get things which are apparently going to help, but leave them in the drawer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's the top piece of advice that you would like to leave our listeners with today? The top piece of advice for me is definitely just to try new things and be open to learning and being open to new ideas in that you can't possibly know everything and you can't possibly know exactly what is going to work. So the only way to do it is to test it out. As we said, you know, in the real world, if you get an idea, test it out, see if it works. Maybe it fails completely. Maybe there's a a little bit of a, a glimmer of hope there and then you can tweak as you go so rather than sitting back and thinking you know everything be open to new ideas and be open to trying something a little bit different excellent advice and most importantly today adam how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation yeah we'd love to love having conversations it's been uh, phenomenal to to chat with you today about all things business and books and and listening and talking and conversations uh, the website for the podcast is whatyouwilllearn.com and you can get in touch with me at podcast at whatyouwilllearn.com. And also we uh, have compiled a document which uh, out of the 230 so books that we've read, we've compiled our top 50 best books of all time where we have ranked our 50 favorite books and for each one we've sort of given a, a paragraph or two about each of the, the best bits. So just by reading that list, you'll, you'll learn 50 great lessons and perhaps you can then go out there and grab a book for yourself to read. So that's at whatyouwilllearn.com slash top 50, T-O-P-5-0. An excellent resource, Adam. So well done with that. And thank you for being part of our business conversation today. I think we'll probably have to get you back again if we can get in the line because I'm suspicious that uh, you might become busy <laughs> well thank you so much i uh i love chatting love podcasting as i mentioned before i listened to some of your your previous episodes and some of the previous conversations you have and there's some phenomenal business lessons in there so if i can contribute to to you and your listeners in any way i'd, I'd love to absolutely love that we we simply want to provide as much information as we can to people so that they can understand that there's a tremendous opportunity but Let's avail yourself of information from people who've done it and don't be afraid to have a conversation with people. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Clive. It was uh, phenomenal to chat. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au. 